0: Hello and welcome to Heart Yoga Radio. We haven't visited our old mate Lao Tzu in quite some time and we've been missing him and I'm sure you guys have as well. So we're going to go back to the Dao De Ching and pick up where we left off many months ago. So this one is chapter 71. So we're nearly at the end now. This one is definitely a bit of a mind bender. I couldn't. I, I I read it and thought I I'd, I'd no idea. Fortunately, we have our own resident expert here <laughs> to tell you all about it. Uh, and it's such a such a bit of a weird one that we're going to read out two translations so you can see the difference because they are quite different. And then uh, we'll have a little talk about what we, we do think that Lao Tzu might have been thinking on that day when he wrote that. So mm-hmm. let's start off with the, uh, the book that we normally uh, work with. Let's read that one out.
1: Okay. Chapter 71 Those who know seem not to know and those who don't know pretend they do. This is what it means to be flawed if you're sick at this, then you'll win through. The sage is, he's sick of all faults. He's sick of being sick. He is well. I shall read another version of that from the uh, the Victor H. Meyer translation. And this, this one uses a sort of fairly recently discovered manuscript. And in that manuscript, the... The cha- <clears throat> the chapters are in, a, in, in in a different order from what we usually find, and this is actually chapter thirty six <laughs> in uh, Meyer's version. To realise that you do not understand is a virtue. Not to realise that you do not understand is a defect. The reason why the sage has no defects is because he treats defects as defects. Thus, he has no defects.
0: Mm. I mean, the first couple of lines, I'm kind of thinking, oh yeah, you know, I kind of see where he's going, and then he just seems to swerve off into, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, some weird, very weird space there. Well, it so-
1: just covered a lot of ground mm. and. There are some very very big themes in, in encapsulated into 50 words or 60 words or whatever it is you know six lines so it, it just takes someone picking so
0: should we should we go through it line by line yeah Start off at the or ch-
1: we'll just go through kind of chunk of sense by chunk of sense that
0: sounds like, that sounds <laughs> like a
1: plan those who seem to know i'm sorry those who know. The first line goes. Those who know seem not to know. This is his old, his old kind of adage. You know, he who speaks does not know. Either, yeah. You know, and he's constantly telling us that if we, if we were to stumble upon some sort of transcendental knowledge that, that would uh, give us a bit more insight than our fellows, uh, that, that our best bet would be to sort of keep quiet about it. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and there, there, there's a, there's an extolling of the virtue of modesty and keeping your gob shut, and not being a loudmouth, and there, there, there's 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 a great love for that kind of comportment of modesty, you know, in in Lao Tzu. And uh, but he, he always gives reasons for why, why why we ought to adopt it, particularly if we were to become sagacious through some weird yeah. fluke
0: it's not just modesty though is it? it's like the the uh, the he knows just how easy it is to phrase something a little bit imperfectly and to trash somebody's life because they just misunderstand what you said and yeah. they they yeah. off down a blind alley yeah. and really well, really damage themselves and right, other yeah. people as well yeah. um so it's um yeah. uh you know and, and especially if with his thing it's like you're saying well you know the uh, eternal down could not be Spoken or described yeah. is, you know. So to to try to try and do that, uh, c- you can d- you can end up causing a lot of damage. Yeah, you could try. Yeah.
1: That, that's, that's the history, the history of wor- religion, <laughs> the world, the world history of religion. You know, yeah. uh, uh, maybe there are some genuine insights found by the founders of the great religions, but they they they, they tend not to filter down to to the uh, the ground level. I think anybody who's in the game that realizes that you know they know that that language isn't adequate to to what they feel compelled to say, uh, having had some kind of experience that I don't know uh, uh, blasts open their, their sort of common sense and their ordinary received ideas about the world and gives them a fresh and startling and sparkling perspective on things. So uh, we need to remember in this context that uh, the sage is what we would maybe call a master. And a a master is somebody in a society or a community or, or occupying a position within a culture who is generally thought to be a reliable person to be believed you know, there is this figure throughout world history in very, very many societies, maybe all societies, of the master or the mistress, whatever. You know, None of these terms are very good. In this book, the sage is somebody who knows some shit and that people generally recognise as knowing some shit and that they therefore listen to. And, of course, he's is saying... Um, th- throughout the, the text to, to anybody who, act, who might su- suspects that they themselves might be a master just keep their mouth shut because of this very problem because it's not just like the bloke down the pub mouthing off you know in the corner of a bar room. it's not just the bar room <laughs> point it's somebody you will be listened to yeah. rightly or wrongly yeah. now what he's pointing out in the first two lines is that well it can be wrongly just as easy as it can be rightly so where are we now uh, we know that there are masters and that the phenomenon of the master is real and that people will listen to them and behave accordingly, maybe. But, uh, but therefore, aren't we in urgent need of knowing who's a, who, who's a master, a real master, and who's not a real master? Who's a sage and who's not real a sage? Either that or really hold our uh, tendencies to hero worship in check even if it is of very great footballers or very great pop musicians, you know. So and this, I think, is an incredibly practical warning at this time. I keep saying this bloke, he sounds He sounds cosmic, he sounds transcendental, he sounds He sounds gnomic, he, he sounds like the riddling sage, you know. Uh, uh, as, as though his concerns were utterly beyond this world, that he, he kind of lives up there and he's playing the art with the archangels or whatever. He's just <laughs> he's off on a level of understanding that none of us can even hope to com- <laughs> comprehend, and that there, is therefore like otherworldly and impractical, you know. And yet, I would, I would maintain that this is just a most practical chap, most practical chap, and don't don't be deceived by the the. Um, the, the romance of it all, you know. So, I mean, he's saying those who know seem not to know. And for the reasons that we've just given, they know that they have to kind of hide their light under a bushel. There's a saying in English, don't hold your light, don't ho- hide your light under a bushel. Luke he says... If you've got the light, hide it under a bushel. <laughs> yeah. And he's, he's right. because Hide
0: it, hide it, quick, hide because, it. before because, they see it.
1: Well, pe- pe- people are prone to hear hero worship. <laughs> people are prone to following in people like Nigel Farage and Adolf Hitler, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And Andrew Tate, you know. And, and, and uh, you know, mass followings are a thing. And so, be careful. You will be misunderstood, therefore be careful, is what he's saying but at the same time he's noting that those who don't know pretend they do oh
0: well, well my that's God. everywhere isn't it
1: well that's, that that is you know, the, 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 the dominant tendency in public life you know your public discourse it wouldn't matter if all it was was chatter down the pub but it's not it's people passing laws yeah it's people saying to the population this is what you can do and this is what you can't do and this is what we'll do to you by way of violence, if you, do, if you try to do what we've said you can't do. So when people have that kind of influence, when, when their apparent sagaciousness is taken seriously, they're going to go out and determine the lives that we lead. And yet they do not know. They don't know anything.
0: I mean, they These really, people, really don't know anything. They really don't. Well, as I was saying to, saying to you the,
1: the, 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 the other day, I, I come down the stairs in the morning in despair. You've already <laughs> got up.
0: Oh, the morning despair. And you yes. say, well, tomorrow?" I
1: say, well, I've just been listening to the radio and they're all completely fucking idiots. Yeah. It's
0: the, like... It's what like, it's you like, told like, me it was just astonishing, really. It's like they
1: don't really know anything and yet they'll, dra- they'll drag them in onto Radio 4 in the morning. Because of some little bit of reputation they've managed to manufacture themselves and say so they're an expert on, I don't know, the economics of debt, you know, or, or climate change or, you know, the political philosophy pertaining to liberty or whatever, and they'll, they'll drag them in and you listen to what they've got to say. And it's the thinnest gruel ever been offered. It's not accurate, it's not informed. I might be a little bit informed in comparison to the rest of us, it's informed. But it, is it informed in terms of what there is there available for us to study and know and consider and weigh up and maybe decide? We 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 haven't really got the the the, the definitive take on such matter X or matter Y. And it really is. And 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 so I'm am I'm thinking to myself. Well, is it me? Have I, have I just gone completely narcissistic here? Now? You know, I'm just so superior to everybody else. Uh, that the only I know anything, and these these fucking. But now, man, this is anybody with a tiny bit. You could spend five or ten minutes, and you could ascertain that they do not know what they're talking about. The pundits of public life in Britain, and I suspect it's probably ten times worse in the US, and uh, it'll be pretty bad in Europe because we all we all kind of go down the same fucking line. And they do not they do not really deserve to be pundits for the most part. Mm. Yet they are. Our pundits have feet of clay. And this is all there in two lines there. Those who know seem not to know. Those who don't know pretend that they do know. And this is what it means to be flawed. To be flawed is to pretend that you know when you don't know. It's the ultimate flaw. You know, the self-deceit of which Wittgenstein spoke. You know, and the, the, the one line from Wittgenstein and his cultural commentary that I've taken seriously I'll mean, so take all of it, Wittgenstein said it. He was a bloke who had a lot to say. that's was very interesting and very useful. But something that really burrowed into my brain the first time I came across it in Culture and Value or whatever, uh, w- one of his notebooks. And um, he says, there is nothing more difficult than not deceiving oneself. Self-deceit is so tempting to human beings and our language W- which structures much of our thought, an intuition, and apprehension of the world, and the people around around us, and ourselves, our own our own internal landscape. It's it's all it's all battling with the 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 uh, the inadequacy of language, which Wittgenstein notes, uh, in pretty well the same way that Lao Tzu notes it. You know, our, our words, are, they're very wonderful things, but got, they have to be used very very carefully. to to do anything really beyond our ordinary practical activities and yeah nothing more difficult than not deceiving oneself so that's what it means to be flawed Is perhaps thinking that you somehow have managed not to deceive yourself not to look for self-deceit in yourself even to just regard yourself as the last word anyway you know so Again, this is a very, very, very common syndrome, isn't it? You yeah. know, I say our public life—the ones that shout get noticed—and and yet they're not necessarily the ones that know. In fact, the ones that know, if they really know, and if they're aware of the temptations to self-deceit, are likely to be very, very circumspect. And very quiet. Yeah, I mean, this is the, like, a themselves. really, really
0: big problem. It's just always the case, isn't it? The yeah. the ones who like know the least shout the loudest, don't they? They do, yeah. And get the most attention. They
1: do, yeah. Yeah. So there's a very, very big realisation that needs to be had, you know, is what he's saying, by people. By people. And it, it, is, it is that we do tend to deceive ourselves. And that it is, if there are any flaws, that's the one. Now, I often say when I hear this language, this is moralistic language and it's just, it's bollocks, you know. And, um, you know, people people, people, talk about it say, oh, I hear this phrase all the time, we all have flaws. I always say, no, we don't. <laughs> What's a flaw? I'll believe that if you tell me what a flaw is. Right, F-L-A-W, not F-L-O-O-R. <laughs> yeah. You know, tell me what a flaw is yeah. and tell me who said so. And and, and by what? Obviously, a flaw is something that can be ascertained by measuring against the standard, a moral standard. There is a moral standard of being flawed and a moral standard of not being flawed. According to this, you know, that is all packed into the question or, or into the statement, we all have our flaws, you know. Well I say well, well who says and by what standard and who knows and you start digging around in that little bit of allotment and you quickly find that nobody knows There isn't. It, it, it's only by imposing a standard that you can make a statement like that seriously but let's who's saying it but of course he's, he's done us the honour of actually answering our question he said well I'll tell you what it is to be flawed it is to succumb to the temptation of self-deceit and imagine that you know when you don't know you know and at some level you are going to know if you make a claim in a public conversation that you that that you're not absolutely sure of but you make it anyway for political or or um, for reasons of expediency you, know? you you you've somehow managed to hide it from yourself to, to push it under and I think I see a lot of that you know once you realize that Wittgenstein's right <laughs> about self-deceit, and you look around at the public world, you, you you have very great difficulty taking any of it seriously. Except that this stuff turns into the way the world becomes for us that have to live in it. So it's very, this is, you know, you know I mean, that's all in three lines, all that, that whole thing. Now, for loads, uh, for loads uh, I think he also kind of tends, he tends to kind of think, well, you know, the, the is everyday mind, you know. People are okay. Leave them in their simplicity, you know. Uh, he, he's a bit like me, and he sat. He, if you popped up in his vicinity and said, oh, everybody's got flaws," he'd say, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, he'd say exactly what I'd say. He'd say, what do you, what do you mean, a floor? And then you'd go down the rabbit hole and find that you didn't know what you were talking about. <laughs> Certainly Socrates would do that to you. You know? um, I mean that was his whole shtick was persuading people they didn't really know what they were talking about which is what <laughs> which eventually which is why they killed him yeah I mean lo- 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 if he'd have been there he'd have been nudging him in the river and saying shut the fuck up dude they come they'll come for you yeah. which of course they did yeah. you know so I think that's huge I think it's huge you
0: know, I'd love to uh, he, he, get uh, Lao Tzu and Socrates in a room together to have a chat.
1: Oh, oh they did. They were at Parkdale one time. <laughs> well, they were, at the pub. they were at the pub on Anglesey. You know. <laughs> you know. Anyway, he goes on. If you're sick at this, then you'll win through. So, if if there is that realization, you know. that people pretend to know what they're talking about when they don't pretend to know what they don't sometimes they don't even pretend self-delude themselves that they know what they're talking about when they don't self-delude themselves that they haven't laid the spade down too soon that their paltry little bits of introspection or their little bits of, of quick reading on Wikipedia had settled the matter there's a self, there's, there, I mean there's two possibilities there one is just sheer pretense deception, lawyers and of course we live in a political culture of outright lawyers or well, the other possibility is that the person doesn't even know that they're pretending in which case that's like just complete the kind of self-delusion and self-deception that, that, that Wittgenstein said was very 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 common and perhaps almost a part of the human condition overcome only with great difficulty perhaps now lo lo L- L- says yes that if you if you realize all this then at least you you've got the realization that tells you what to do you know it's almost the only realization that justifies self improvement if you can put it like that in i'm i'm making self improvement you know you know there is no self to improve nobody needs to improve and yet and yet if we're very very ruthlessly honest with ourselves, we find something that we would rather in order to have the good life, in order not in in order to, in order to feel justified to oneself in a kind of weird kind of way that, 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 that this is the one thing that you need to notice. This is where it happens. And he says, if you're sick at this, then you'll win through. But that's the that's, that's the only thing is just realizing that there is self deception. It's a very strong possibility, and that we need to ex- we need to examine more never think you've come to the end of an investigation into anything. It's only by thinking you've come to the end of an investigation of anything, when perhaps, when almost certainly you haven't, that you'll become one of these flawed fools who who are the the, the central feature of our political and public life. So if you're sick at this, you'll win through. On the personal level, he's talking about your personal meditations. You know, if you realise... It's, it's it's just absolutely destructive, really, and corrupting to pretend that you know and you don't. You might end up concluding from that thing that you know nothing. <laughs> but at least that would be honest. And of course, again, Socrates—the other—you the, know—you can't help thinking about Socrates when you when you talk to this master. <laughs> that other master pops up as well, you know. And it, you know, it's, somebody said said to Socrates, "Well, what do you know?" And he said, "Well, I don't know anything." <laughs> He says, but yeah. I'm pretty convinced that you probably don't either, but you seem to know things, and I, and I actually honestly can sincerely say I don't know anything. You now, Socrates went to the oracle at Delphi, and he said to the oracle, oh, oracle at Delphi, uh, uh, who's the wisest man in Athens, you know? And, and in fact, who's the wisest man in the whole of, the, the whole of Greece? You yeah. And the article says, Socrates is the wisest man in the whole of Greece. well Socrates says, "Well, fuck me he says i know i I know nothing, but at least I know I know nothing, so it's that knowledge that makes me the the the, the most the wisest man, the most knowledgeable man in ancient Greece is the man who knows he knows nothing you know so this is everywhere this, this this and again, this is like nature saying to people that you, you, you see philosophers and they're crowing that they've cracked this problem that problem the other problem and all the problems have been solved now because the great mayor solved them right and uh, and he says well such people have laid their spade down too soon they, they, they were digging for foundations or they, they were digging for a wellspring they were they were digging down for the, into the depths but they stopped they only got halfway where there and they stopped they laid their spade down too soon same criticism ultimately you know now, he describes a master or a sage as someone who is sick at all this. The sage is sick at all this. He's sick of all faults. And, he, and by the same token, he's is therefore sick of being sick. And in that understanding, he is well. You know? It's almost like the, 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 the road to sagacity, sagehood, Whatever the condition Lao to is in, this, this harmonious relationship with the Dao seems to be arrived at through, through, through the, the knowledge of how prone humans are to self-deception. And yet how seeing that is our chance to, to avoid it, even if it means resting in the state of knowing nothing.
0: Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you found it useful. It was really nice to spend a bit of time with our friend Lao Tzu again. And we will be back soon with the next instalment. So
1: have a good apocalypse.
0: (laughs) So I hope you're all doing okay, and we'll speak to you again soon.